everybody, and welcome to Film Buffing Up, the only AFI's top 100 movies in the last 100 years watch cast. Only one. And we're the only one. Probably Who else is doing it? it's been out for like 20, 20 years. years. <laughs> 20 years so, too late. You know. uh, I'm Jen. I'm Mike late. is grooving next to me for some reason. I'm listening to my own intro. I'm listening to the music right now. So oh, oh, because you recorded oh. directly over I the know. intro. It's better that way, isn't it? Look at that. I can hear music and shit. Can you hear us over the music? I could. Okay. It's already pre-mixed, baby. I like it. Ah, I'm lazy. Makes it work. Is it... I, I just need to know. The pogo sound that you use... Mm-hmm. Is Many different. It, oh, I was going to say, is the middle one from Life is Beautiful? Because I swear I hear someone saying Principessa. Uh, no. Uh, the one from last one, I think, was from Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Which also would probably have some Italian in there yeah. and stuff like that because they're more day in Switzerland, which know. basically is between Italy and Germany. Mm. So we'll figure it out. Yeah, might be on this one too. Depends on how lazy I am on changing it or not. Oh, there you go. So, did spoilers. you want to redo the intro? No, you don't we're good. Enjoy my... We're good. It was easy. It's done. You all, everybody. Oh God damn it. <laughs> so, so this week we are on number seventy six, which is a movie from nineteen ninety four called Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Everyone's seen it. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who haven't. Everyone's seen it. Robert Most Zemeckis. Zemeckis makes some good stuff, he's, and not just the Zemeckis cube in Ready Player One. He's done, which is all about nostalgia baiting. Well, I mean, that makes sense because he he has done some very nostalgic films. Mm-hmm. Um, some probably, I feel like he, as a director, somehow, like I feel like whatever generation you are, uh-huh. you have a different movie. You're. Um, is your Zemeckis movie? It is your Zemeckis movie. Um, All right, so what's what's Zemeckis's first movie? Well, Zemeckis's first movie is... Oh, as I adjust this to bring this over to me. Um, obviously, he did some executive Okay, well, so, Okay, so you're in producing now. You want to oh, close that go, and open up go directing. Director. There we go. All right, let's take a look here. Um, used Cars, I've never oh, seen. Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. Back to the Future, 1, oh, 2, and 3. Who, who Framed, framed Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. Forrest Gump. Forrest Death Gump. Becomes Her. I love Death Becomes um, Her. Contact. Contact, What Lies Beneath. Castaway. Castaway, Polar Express, Beowulf. Uh, Is that that weird animated yeah, one? Yeah, that's or, that mm. weird digitized one. Mm. Uh, then we see the end of the Zemeckis flight. train. And then obviously did uh, Welcome to Marvin, or Mar- Marwin, which is a movie no one saw. Yeah, most people didn't. No one saw. He's in He's in charge of the Witches remake. Is that the Roald Dahl Witches remake? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like not all of these are actual people's re- Zemeckis no, movies. No, you're right. And the problem is a lot of these would be my Zemeckis movie, because like I love Death Becomes well, I could say, Her. what is your Zemeckis movie? And there's about- I love Forrest Gump. And I love Romancing the Stone. It, definitely one of those directors and that, who framed Roger Rabbit. That, that seems to really exist well within the 80s to he, early 90s. And it kind of falls off. great things. This is, I would not say that this is his send-off. Because I know a lot of people love the Polar Express. I didn't really care for it. Are, and obviously, are you skipping right over Contact? Well, so Contact is a divisive film. <sighs> okay. I mean, we're not going to go into the. We're not going to go into why it's this. divisive. But, but I mean, I could bring up the Rotten Tomatoes, and you would find that your opinion of Contact is probably much higher than the average. Uh, um, let's see, sixty-five uh, percent. That's. I mean, that's fresh. It's fresh. 
it's fresh. Um, it has a higher audience score, so like it's that the. But there must have been some. I would I would say getting sixty five percent is getting close to divisive for that. Well, that's sixty five percent from critics. critics. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Obviously, okay, well, Rotten Tomato, Forrest Gump. Okay, let's take a look. We're gonna have to get into why this is on the AFI. Also, like it is Forrest kind Gump? of a movie of its time, but there's nothing 71% like one percent. Tomato meter of the critics okay. said positive things. Obviously, okay. the tomato 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 meter tomato meter tomato meter tomometer tomometer tomato meter America tomometer 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 tomometer. No, I'm going with mine. Tomato meter. <laughs> so ninety five percent audience score. It's good. So, it's good. So the tomometer indicates. Um, not whether it was rated highly, but just whether it was rated positive. positively or right. negatively. So it could be a three out of five stars, which you would consider above average, would still count as a positive. And overall, right. the more... So, you know, a little bit more... Right. But obviously very uh, held to high regards in yeah. the, the, the audience. So, okay, so it's been a while since I've watched this. You think... You, in your head, think that we watched it recently, I but f- I'm pretty sure what we watched recently that you're thinking about is The Green Mile. No, I definitely... We've seen this... What well, to me, recently is, like, within the last year. I don't think I've seen this in 2020. Um, I've... Not... Well, last year, totality. Totality. I don't think I've seen this since August of 2019. I feel like you'd have... Okay. But um so uh it's a fictional biopic. Yes. Is that a good way to say it? <laughs> yeah. Um this is not true what I'm about to say, but it is one of the earlier examples of um nostalgia baiting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> like they find a way to make all of these like important historical points mm-hmm. either center around mm-hmm. him. It's based on a book. It, it is apparently based yep. on a book, which may or may not have had more nostalgia baiting in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I hear that they left some of what was in yep. the book out of the yes. movie. Apparently it has a sequel, too. That that was crazy. <laughs> I, I don't remember the specifics of it, but... I'm, I'm good. The The sequel's probably, like, moon people. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, oh, what if, what if Forrest Gump went to the moon? Um, yeah, no, I'm good. I think it was written right after the film. Yeah, 1995. Um... Uh, I, I have not heard fond things about the sequel. Yeah, um, no, I, I can't imagine you would. Um, and it's one of those, uh, I, I don't know if the book does this, but the movie does. It's one of those like framework kind of things. Like the actual what happens in the movie is really just him sitting on a park bench <laughs> waiting for a bus to take him to see his childhood so. friend who he has run into like a couple of times but like that's the entire movie is him sitting there just talking to people mm-hmm. and um I don't often talk to strangers this guy does and I probably didn't when I was the age I was when this movie came out mm-hmm. but there are some people who do right it's like but he like he shares his whole life, whole life story. story everybody as and not like, and not with one single person. Like the people, the other people that are on the bench keep like switching out. Mm-hmm. And it's um, at that point, it feels more like I want to say a thousand and one nights or like Arabian yeah. Nights, where it's just like like someone who sat down while he was in the middle of the previous part segment of the story, right. is like, oh no, I want to hear more. Go on, like tell me yeah. more. And so he like literally goes through his whole life story. 
Um, and it includes like all of these big things that happened he in history. Is everywhere like, in history somehow. Like he met Elvis. Right. He was at the White House when the Olympic athletes were there. Mm-hmm. Was that, that was when he was there? Mm-hmm. Um, there was something weird about the school he was sent to that it was one of the first desegregated schools. Yeah, everything everything was around him, <laughs> which like it. It, it almost feels like everything he says is a lie if it wasn't for the fact that you don't believe he could lie. I, yeah, like, you, know? you don't... So, he, he feels like he should be considered an unreliable narrator. It, it, it's, like, it's like the opposite of Big Fish. Yeah, well, yeah. well no, 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 so, like, Big Fish, technically the son is telling the story, yes. and you can believe what the son is saying. Right. But the, you, father, but the father lies. Yeah. I was going to say it was more like, um, what's that... Is it Dennis Lehane, uh, Jesus' son? It's the oh, yeah, prime, yeah. Yeah. really unreliable narrator. Yeah, sure. And like he, he feels like you should be questioning it, except because he is the way he is. It's, uh, what's the developmentally challenged? Yeah, there, he's got some kind of thing. Yeah, like I, it feels like he probably doesn't understand symbolism or sarcasm either. Yeah. Like the. Yeah, like he's kind of perpetually stuck in like I don't know, maybe like a ten-year-old or eight-year-old's mind. Yeah, like he's and like just... ten-year-olds and eight-year-olds can lie. Yeah, but I don't. I, I just don't, I don't believe that he, he could. I don't think he understands the concept. Yeah, right. And it's just about a person of that stumbles his way through history yeah. and and lives a life, you know. And and it's about those trials and tribulations. Uh, it's. Well, it's heralded, I'd say. Um, okay, it's definitely... so is it on the list just because it's a really good movie? Because <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's, like, it's not like it is the first oh, no. of a specific kind of thing. It's not like there was a huge breakthrough with like well, how it was filmed. It's not... I mean, would you say this, is, this film's impactful? I mean, I feel like people yeah. still reference it yeah. to this day, right? It kind of catapulted Tom Hanks' career. I, mean, I don't believe that. Pull up IMDb. Uh, well, yeah, like, okay, yeah, he did big. whoop de do. Uh, he did do big. He's great and big. Um, he did that Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I want to say The Man with One Red Shoe or The Man from UNCL. If before I'm not the sure Da Vinci Code killed his career. Yeah, so there's Mazes and Monsters is yeah, the Dungeons no, and Dragons No, if a TV movie doesn't count. Splash. Right? Was worthless. No, Bachelor Party. Whatever. The Man with One Red Shoe. <laughs> Volunteers. <laughs> the Money Pit. <laughs> I would say... Dragnet. Well, okay, so I, here, here's what I'll say. <laughs> Big, The Burbs, Turner and Hooch. No, so, Joe versus the Volcano. Okay, okay, someone being in a lot of movies does not mean that their career was catapulted before that. Because if you look, pretty famous no, and like he's the but, main but look people at this. in these movies. Worthless, worthless, unaccredited Academy, non like uh, like non non important okay, films. Fine, so of even base okay, comedic roles. Fine, if you're gonna say that, but yeah. he was a big name. Is why the fact that he was a bit role in A League of Their Own was a thing, right? But it's not even. It's not even. Well, okay, and what year did that th- come out? Ninety two. That's no, 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 no. no. You're not understanding. You're not understanding me. Okay, stop. Okay. I got the stick. I got okay. the talking stick. Okay. I got the Jen needs to shut up talking stick. Okay. Okay. What I'm saying is not that he wasn't in a lot of films, but like a Bruce Willis, except Bruce Willis never had the credentials. Yeah. Okay. He went from, in this film, prior to this, a comedic 
low-tier actor okay. to an Academy Award-winning actor that was considered one of the best. Okay. And then he was propelled into dramatic roles after dramatic roles. Okay. A constant, perpetual Academy Awards. There's a threshold that you go from being a guy who acts and being an actor. And all of these, look at all these, like, uh, what do you got? You got League of His Own, comedy role, comedy role. Bonfire's Van- Vanity... Is isn't he one of the lead actors in Philadelphia? He is, but that's not the role that really pushed him. Okay. I mean, eh, maybe. Maybe Philadelphia, which came out around the same time. Because he played, um... Was he the one that was sick in that? Maybe. No. Um... I'm trying to remember. Uh, okay, scroll back up. I think, I no, you know, I, I would say, yeah, it would not be this one. It would be Philadelphia was really what propelled him, which came out a year before. And then this started the chain, because Philadelphia's the one where he died of AIDS, where he actually got emaciated, like emaciated yeah. right in his body. Um, but, like, prior to these two films, he the was... The rest of them are all comedy, really which means he's not a comedies. serious actor. Right, and remember, okay. and if you even look, again, look at the list on... The AFI films, the amount of comedies on there were kind of limited. There's a couple, mm-hmm. um, but definitely they're all at the bottom, with the exception of maybe City of Light, City Lights, and ooh, I'm going through the list now. Some like it hot, is, maybe is a comedy, but I think it's based on a stage play. Yeah, that's why it's considered vaguely serious. Annie Hall is not a comedy. Uh, it's funny. It's, it's a dry comedy. Yeah. So. I think this is why it's on here is that it's one very culturally relevant Mm -hmm. for for his career, right? Mm -hmm. And then obviously you have a big uh, a big landmark piece for him where people constantly still talk about it to this day. That probably makes it important. I mean, people are talking about it right now because of different news is currently in the news involving him. What happened, Tom Hanks? He gets sick. Did he murder somebody? Did he rape somebody? Did he rape murder somebody? Pull up a Google window. Just look up up and see what the newest news story about him is. Because when people at work said it and I went, what? That can't be true. What? That can't be true. What? I'm not going to... Dignify it? I'm not going to dignify a Daily Beast article. Okay. Um, But... No, this sounds like a conspiracy. Nah. Nah, we're not even going to talk about this. Tom Hanks is A-OK. He's fine. Everyone Don't worry. Everyone says he's Hollywood's sweetheart. He's, he's, like, he's he, apparently the nicest man he, in he, Hollywood. He did not Kevin Spacey his way out of the country into Greece. <laughs> he, a, he's fine. Okay. Anyways, we're going to Kevin Spacey our well, ourselves over to the couch Mm-hmm. And become residents of this couch for about two hours as we go watch Forrest Gump. Two? I feel like it's two and a half. Yeah, it might be two and a half. All right, well, guys, we'll catch you on the flip side. Damn it. <laughs> And we are back. Can't use contractions anymore? No. I will talk without any contractions in 
my vocabulary and in this very monotone voice welcome to npr you're listening to your local district i don't think monotone means what you think it means it's kind of monotone it's not monotone. monotone closer i can't get monotone i cannot get monotone <laughs> uh, i mean i could f- get you to monotone if i had some soundproof because if you can't hear yourself you can't modulate. yeah i suppose so okay um forrest gump it's a movie my name is forrest, forrest it's a movie gump. a lot of people, people seem to like forrest gump. i'm going to drop it now i don't really like this movie not at all. I don't really care for it at all. Um, I, I see the nos- it feels like a nostalgia bait for baby boomers. That's, that's what I was and, saying about it. It feels like it might be one of the first nostalgia bait movies. Um, and I think it was cool at the time in the the, the weird technical stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it it just it doesn't really have anything going for it for me. I think okay. the story is boring. I think. The character is boring. I think it feels very much in a lot of ways that Robert Zemeckis is imitating okay. better films of certain genres at certain mm-hmm. periods. Okay. The entire scenes of Vietnam feel less like an interesting situation to put Gump in but more just he wanted to make Platoon, so he recreated his scenes from Platoon. Okay. Uh, None of the characters are at all that interesting, and there's sort of this weird deification of Forrest Gump as a character that makes him incredibly boring to watch. Okay. Because it's like he's a simple man. And he's above all of our problems. He it's, is a it's, simple man who is untouched not, by our problems. It's not far off from the now maligned magical Negro trope. That okay, you know if you know what, if you're familiar with that, I am aware of that trope of like. But explain it for people who aren't. So for people that are not, it's a very common in turn of the century um, literature. But you can see it's prevalent even today, like uh, something like a Legend of Bagger Vance. In some things, or even like the. Did you just refer to that as being today? I'm sorry, no. we're gonna look this up. <laughs> in the 90s? Legend <laughs> of Bagger. That's a 2000 film. That is a 20 year old film. If it's old. Try for something in the last decade. I don't, I, I, this is, it's, it's come out of favor. But the idea is generally, um, sure there was attributing, attributing post reconstruction. African Americans with a sense of mysticism to their like um, older culture, and sometimes it's in an attempt to like reverse racism, but actually becomes tone deaf. Mm-hmm. And other times it's sort of harkening back to like the voodoo spirituality kind of culture. But basically, it's a character trope where there is a african-american in the story that has some type of transient mystical power or just sometimes just knows all the answers and can give the heroic white character the right answers and they only exist to kind of guide them mm-hmm. in into um into that and, and that doesn't really apply to forrest gump in that one he's the main character usually mm-hmm. a magical negro character is not yes. usually they're you know um like the green mile 
kind of plays with that, but it's not really that. See, I I thought if you were going to go with tropes, you were going to talk about how he felt like a Mary Sue. Well, sure, he feels like a Mary Sue. Um, uh, th- and I think that certainly kind of plays into that, too. He definitely is a Mary Sue. Because a Mary Sue, for those who don't know, is another trope that usually is an author interjection in a story, which is why he's not quite a Mary Sue. But he has no real character flaws and or his care or a person's character flaws that do exist are turned around to be something that makes them actually better mm-hmm. than everybody else okay. and suffer ro- no real ever consequences for their actions um yeah i mean i think he is a mary sue would definitely apply to him um it just seems like life affords him victories in weird ways mm-hmm. even as the movie ends and tries to give him a more somber ending of like losing everything, but he doesn't really like he loses Jenny. But there's there's weird there's weird messaging in this there's film. There's weird messaging in this film. Um, I don't know. See, he he does seem very somber mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, but also like he's still just the same person he's ever been. Like that he he told. Right, Little Forest. He told Junior, "He's like, I'll be here when you get back." Yep, and and then he just sat there. He just sat there, waiting to come till he came back. Just to wait till he comes um, back. So it's it's got this weird tone of like very frequently it it punches down on random groups of people of being like, look how how this simple man has elevated beyond all your problems, right? But it never really reflects on that in mm-hmm. a way that's interesting. Okay. Um, so it's like every time someone of any type of political aff- aff- affiliation whatsoever is shown, they're always shown as like being hypocrites or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like always just outside of it. He's always outside of every situation, never really interjecting his own issues or own anything. But it kind of just makes it a very boring movie to me because it's just like we never get anything out of him like so one of the things i like about this mm-hmm. movie and i know this is a thing mm-hmm. that it's it's because i'm who i am mm-hmm. there's no real conflict in there it. is no conflict in this i movie. like that there's no conflict in it yeah. there is at no point in this movie where i'm watching it and going "Ooh, if only we could fast forward like three minutes and get past this part yeah. i am okay with all of the I'm going to refer but there, to him as well, dips. Well, there is conflict, though, but it's, again, none of it touches him. Yeah. He just skirts through the story, and everybody else falls off apart around him, right? I mean, obviously, part of it is that the people in his life, in his life, end up being better for him being in it. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't necessarily wash the other way. Like, his life is incidental in a, incidental in a situation, which is why I said it almost applies the magical Negro effect, uh-huh. in that like, you know, every person that he's around essentially becomes better because he exists there. Like, you know, Jenny becomes a better person. Eh. Well, she ends, ends well, right? Um, and it's only after she finally doesn't, you know, reject his advances, or whatever, which is weird. It's, just a, it's kind of a weird of, like, if you just... It's very stalkery of if you just persist over and over again and beat up all of your crushes, love interests, well, then no, eventually no. she'll no, give in. he's not beating them up because they're her love <laughs> no, interests. He he's beating them up because they're brutalizing right. her. Right. Because she is... Um, 
a drug addict who worked in a uh, burlesque burlesque show. show. It's only, he's only one fedora and self, like if he had just a bit ounce of awareness, he's a fedora away from a lady. Yeah, he has no self-awareness of this. He doesn't know he's doing it. Yeah, he just, she's, she's his girl, but not like, because like that's what he's he's like, you're my girl. Um, But like they've just, they've been tight. Since mm-hmm. they were kids, and anytime he sees her, like when she's with a guy and the guy's beaten on her, yep. he has to step in. Yeah. It's not like he would. It's not like he would step forward and beat them up. If they no, were no, good no, it's boyfriends. not like he's, he's like jealous or something. So, okay, so the story in brief, because there's really not. We already told the story. We told the story. We already talked about. It. Uh, so you know what's what what happening. Everyone's this seen is, it. I just this is the thing. So this is a 1986 novel. Mm-hmm. By Winston Groom. The title character is retelling adventures ranging from shrimp boating and ping pong championships to thinking about his childhood love as he bumbles his way through American history with everything from the Vietnam War to college football becoming a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's apparently first person point of view. Ooh. And um, because he, despite. This is the thing. He doesn't know what he wants to do in life, but despite his low IQ, he is made out to be full of wisdom. He says that he can think things pretty good, but when he tries saying or writing them, it kind of come out like jello. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> he's narrating the story of his life. The author uses misspellings and grammatical errors <sighs> to indicate his southern accent education and cognitive disabilities so i was not far off the mark when i said it was kind of like moon people yeah not far off except this was intentional this was intentional (laughs) um well i mean this movie is first person the the Um, movie is first person and while he does have an accent and the Mm -hmm. words are Um, weird and it sounds like in the the book too he's i'm reading here says he's an idiot savant that is what it says he's not portrayed that way in the film he is not portrayed that way in the film it's just but i mean you know what else they took out of the film uh that he was six six nope yeah yeah um that he read three uh, I guess classic novels for his high school reading class and enjoyed them, but doesn't do well on the tests because, mm-hmm. like the the fact that he's carting around the Curious George because his his mom used to write his home like that's the only book he's ever read and you know it. Yeah. Um. Whereas the other th- there's another thing in here that oh because they don't mention it on the wiki article apparently the sex scene mm-hmm. is like porn. Like, all throughout a bunch of different rooms in the house. Yeah. And, like, yeah. yeah. That was taken out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I might have to go back to... There was a Reddit article where someone was talking about... Because we said earlier that, um, like, is he an unreliable narrator? Mm-hmm. And... I don't I think can, it's ever portrayed like that he is. It's never portrayed uh, that he is. And everyone watching always feels that he is reliable yeah right because you yeah. like in your head you're like he just he can't lie like you saw the way he interacts right. with people it's not a thing yeah. he could do um and people even vindicate some of his or validate some of his statements like the gump shrimp code there's one like that people the are gump, like oh i remember that yeah, thing. you know like, gump exists right. and like and he's and he's on the cover of the time magazine <laughs> which one of the reddit articles where someone was talking about it were like i mean 
uh, Lieutenant Dan could have just had that made up for him as like a gag. Could have, yes. Like, um, but then again, I mean, the bar for Time Magazine covers have been low lately. A couple years ago, um, I was on Time Magazine Person of the Year. No, you weren't. It was Mirror Baby. Uh, I don't. I mean, it said episodes. I was the Person of the Year. <laughs> I clearly read it. I remember it. So the bar is pretty low. Um, you know, um, I know Durger Time only has a thousand subscribers, but I got there apparently. You got there. So, um, so I, th- I'm not saying this is a linchpin for it, but this yeah. is a thing to think about mm-hmm. that they let him enlist. Yeah. That is de- definitely one of those things that would preclude you from active service yeah. if your cognitive disabilities yeah. were at that point. Yeah. But, like, in the movie, they do show that, like, he did graduate high school. Yeah, and which he... at, Like, I think if you graduate high school, they can't then say that you don't have the right. mental capacity. And he, he was portrayed as being just below... Just below, What they yeah. would mandate. So there, there could be some argument that maybe... Some of those documents were kind of nudged by some of like the school counselors. Obviously, we see some events of the mom kind of doing what she needs to do to get her son Listen, an ed- she education. She loves her son, so. and she will do anything. I mean, she she's has single, to for whatever. Him. She could do whatever she wants. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like they wouldn't keep his. Would that have been sclerosis? Yeah, sclerosis. I I don't know that that would have been a problem mm-hmm. because he has already had corrective. Yeah, yeah that was fine. For it. So. But like. They, uh, I'm going to say flunked. They flunked Mm -hmm. people out for having flat feet. Yes. Having flat feet doesn't actually affect, like, anything. It (laughs) makes your feet hurt if you got to walk seven miles a day. It sucks. Yeah, Um, but it doesn't cause permanent issues. No. So so the the big things from this film are the takeaways, because we were talking about, like, what, why is it on this? Okay, so, um. Oh, we got something. Well, not necessarily. No. So you're you're going to say that it didn't age well. <laughs> it certainly did not age well. Well, I mean, the performances were fine. I think all the performances are okay, mm-hmm. even though I think ultimately they don't really land for me because I mm-hmm. feel like the film is more emulating better films than it is standing on its own for me. Okay. And it's one of those ones that I feel like this is one of those films that I remember enjoying when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I think the f- more I watch it and the older I am, the less I like it. Okay. It's, one, it's one of those reasons why I don't tend to watch films. Like, yeah. I probably, I would have scored this much higher if I, like, in my head. If this was the first time you saw it. No, I don't. Oh, I, if we didn't watch it today, you would have scored it higher than yes, where you were about to score if it. I just, okay. If I just presumptively put it on the list, in my mind, it was higher on my list. Okay. It is, spoilers, not there. It's, it's in the top half of my list. It is not. It's actually, at the moment, it's a, it's in the top, I'm going to say, like, You will quarter. be shocked where it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the wiki... I was shocked where it was. So, the wiki article mm-hmm. under accolades has a point about when it was selected for preservation in the Library of Congress's National Film mm-hmm. Registry, which usually they just use that same line about its cultural significance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the registry said that the film... So, oh, so you're just pointing out the fact that it went down between the... I guess so. Is that the original? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just looking at her the... list here. It has the 100 films accolade as number 71, which I, which I guess it went here down. It so, 10th yeah. anniversary okay. edition, it went down to 76. Interesting. Um, so in... So maybe it did age poorly. Yeah, in yeah. 2011 is when it was put in the National Film Registry. Mm-hmm. And they said that the film 
the film is being honored for its technological innovations. Sure. Because yeah. they did a digital insertion of Gump it seamlessly mm. <laughs> into vintage archival S- seamlessly footage. Seamlessly in 1994. Yes. Okay. It, it looked, and even some scenes looked all right. Yeah, some scenes looked really nice. Um, uh, so uh, also, yeah. like, we'll talk about that again in a yeah. second. You're like, also, it's resonance within the culture that has elevated Gump and what he represents in terms of American innocence mm-hmm. to the status of folk hero. And uh, it's attempt to engage both playfully and seriously with contentious yeah. aspects of the era's traumatic yeah. history. I didn't mean that to sound sarcastic the way I said traumatic. Traumatic. <laughs> it... it when a film mm-hmm. addresses something <laughs> that causes some people, yes. So, so that's actually my problem with the film. Okay, is, is that, that it did it too playfully? Not even playfully. Is that it? Like it doesn't earn that. It wants to make him a folk hero. Yes, it, like a Daniel uh, uh, Daniel Boone. Boone, right? Daniel Boone, that kind of. Um, but, I prefer Paul Bunyan. Or if Paul we're going Bunyan. Folk heroes. They want to make him a modern folk hero. Of here's this character who's gone through everything. I, I also really like Shadow. But he doesn't understand why things are happening. Mm-hmm. So like his achievement of going through and breaking the line of the racist segregation doesn't matter if he doesn't understand why it's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't understand the things going on around him. Like so, like th- this film is often um, in many like political commentary and criticism. Like, there's, a, there's um, oh, is there something it, about this? It's it's often regarded as as multiple multiple political. And again, we're, we don't get political on this channel, so this is like the extent of this. I'm saying from from a a looking at how people that are very politically active talk about this film. Both camps in America have decided to hold on to this film mm-hmm. over the years. Conservatives call this like the grand um, example of like conservatism of a like pull on your bootstraps, do everything, and um, like liberals will look at it as like this. Look at this person going beyond the cultural and social restrictions to push progress, right? But the character fails on both of those so objectly mm-hmm. because like you can't look at it as a conservative like look he made his own success when he doesn't even understand what's happening and he just falls into the success like if anything it makes it look like it wasn't like he built it for himself it's just he was lucky everywhere he went he just was lucky right mm-hmm. whether it was he survived vietnam because he was lucky Right, he enlisted not because he wanted to defend his country, but because oh, that's what I'm told to do now. In the book, apparently, yeah. he enlisted because he flunked out of college. So there you go. So it's it's out of out of necessity, not not duty or honor or yeah. patriotism. Like everything that he does, kind of he just kind of lucks into. Like even the shrimp, the literal act of God. Gives him the shrimp. So and, in the book, yeah. apparently it was a thing with a Vietnamese person who told him, uh, you can breed shrimp in a simple pond or lagoon, so just gather some shrimp and put them in a mass of water, throw feet into the pond, and let nature take its course. 
I mean, that's better. Yeah. Because then so that's he's, actually learning something. He's, he's shrimp farming instead of shrimping shrimp. out in a body that's, of water see, that's with all much, the other shrimp That's boats. much better. Because then that's, it's him actually learning and applying something from his time that he was there. So what you're saying is the book's better than the movie. Sounds like it. Even, I haven't read it, but... Even though it sounds like it might be on right. par with moon people. Well, and, and, and so, like, again, going back I to the mean, politics... I moon people, though. I do. I love moon people. And the other, the other end is, obviously, he's not aware enough of any of the social changes happening to actually... Like, his, he's named after a KKK member... Oh, or founder. No, no, no. I was going to point out the... Because you're upset yeah. about the end of the book that he gets a positive end. Yeah. Or the end of the movie. In the book... At the end of the book, Forrest ends up with Dan and a male orangutan named Sue. Living life, being a one-man band, begging for change, sleeping on a green bench. Sounds awesome. But that's that's the end of the first book. There you go. So much happier ending in this one. Yeah, and then after the movie came out, Winston Groom wrote a sequel. Yes. Which... Are you done with politics? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm done with my, my tribe of how this doesn't really reflect either. So. Yes. Uh-oh. We're going to start with Tom Hanks. Okay. Did not get a salary for this movie. Uh-huh. And instead signed the contract for, um, is the word points? Percentage points. Okay. Tom Hanks was not paid for the film. Instead, he took percentage points, which ultimately netted him in the region of $40 million. Nice. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Winston Groom <laughs> also did not get paid for this film. Mm-hmm. And instead was supposed to get um, a percentage of the profits. Oh, no. The Hollywood curse. And they never gave mm-hmm. him any money because they constantly yes. said that they hadn't actually made yes. any profit yet it because is a, of how much money they had to pay for marketing. It is, it is the, the long-held trick that studios have done. That they will give you based on a percentage of profit. Yeah, it well, is a so con... that's what. But is that not what a percentage point would be? No. That Tom Hanks got percentage not points. A, no, because he would have got it on the gross. Oh, okay. So yeah, it does say on the film's net profit. Yes. Um, they never paid him the percentage using Hollywood accounting to posit the, the blockbuster film had actually lost money. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, it does say right there: gross receipts instead of salary. Yep. Um, and also, also. <laughs> For all of the Oscar speeches, all mm-hmm. the Oscar winning speeches, it won six Oscars. Yes. The author of the book wasn't mentioned in any of the acceptance speeches. Damn. Sucks. Um, but so, he got to make a sequel out of it. Well, so yeah. So later is when they were like, okay, fine. Here. We'll give you a seven-figure contract for the film rights to this sequel you're writing. But the film's never been made. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be made at some point. Because I remember, like, so there was, like 20 years ago, I remember okay. they're like, we're going to start production. So, at the very beginning, Tom Hanks had a thing about how he never wanted to be in a sequel. hmm Okay. At a certain point, Tom Hanks decided he was sort of okay with sequels, okay. as noticed by uh, Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, among other things, because I don't remember the other things, but there are other things that He's he in Toy Story. do. Y- yeah, but, like, not as himself. It's not a real matter. role, though. <laughs> yeah, like, not as himself, really. Um... So, like, that was put off, and then eventually he started saying that he would be willing to do sequels, and there was a different reason it got stopped at that point. 
Uh, I think. Um, I'm gonna control find the word sequel. I think I remember a something about like 9/11s postponed it at one yes. point. Yes, because um, so originally Tom Hanks refused to work in any sequel. Uh, he reconsidered his stance and did Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, and Angels and Demons for mm. the Da Vinci Code. And That's Inferno. the only sequel he's in. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, he should have kept with the Yeah, he should have really picked, changed his mind on that one. Um, so, uh, when he changed his mind, Eric Roth attempted to adapt the novel to a screenplay in 2001, mm-hmm. and then 9-11 changed the world to the extent that it made the film irrelevant. There were several attempts over the years to revive the project you, in the absence are you of saying that, translation. Um, in developmental Forrest things. Gump single-handedly running into the trade towers and just taking out as many people as he could would have been considered uh, maybe a little too much for an audience? Because that, that would have happened, right? Well, no, it wouldn't have because he wrote the sequel in 94 when the movie oh. came out. So the... like There's not a lot of span of time yeah, there. So, yeah. like, when you say he's part of everything that happened during the point up until yeah. which the thing is... So, the first book was written in 86. That's a lot of time so span of stuff. So, to... n- nothing that happened yeah. between 86 and 94... Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think... Like, Would have been mentioned. I, for the most part, I think the thing that really attracts people and probably why it feels less relevant of a film now is that, like, I think... It that, stops in the mid-80s? Right, it stops... <laughs> well, yeah, it stops in the mid-80s, and, like, it's it's really about, like, oh, man, I remember that. I, like you said, it was, like, that first it, it's nostalgia It's kind of nostalgia um, By the way... So how would you do that for four or five years more? Well, like, the, it would have been about 10 years more because it would have yeah. covered the span between 86 and 94. Versus 40 years. And they very specifically, apparently the sequel begins with the whole him. Um, oh, where was it? Because I actually have like, Hanks. That's near the end of the book. Yeah. Um, but it begins with him saying something about, let, I'll tell you one thing for free, never let them make a movie out of your life. <laughs> they get everything wrong. Um, so, like, that's amusing. Um, I was going to go back to we were talking about nostalgia baiting, and I was trying to find other nostalgia baiting films in <laughs> history, right? But my Google Foo is way not on par. I typed in nostalgia bait movies, and it's only giving me movies from 2019 and 2020. And I will grant you, there were a lot of nostalgia bait movies in 2019 and 2020. Boy, and not boy. just like remakes and reimaginings and weird, like after forever returns. Yeah, would uh, Back to the Future? Be a nostalgia bait? Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, I, so the first nostalgia bait that I can think of, of like a film that is about glory. Because understand, nostalgia bait has to be about glorifying a moment of history. Yeah. Of like, like it becomes, that that history, that era it's becomes like, a character. I was going to say, it's character. like fan service, yeah. but for time. Like in this, in this film, it's, it, time is a character. Because it's like, oh, wow, oh, look, he's there. And then, oh, that's funny. Oh, I remember that. It's not just that it's a setting. It's like like X-Men, oh, man, high class. X-Men first class, the setting is not nostalgia bait. It's just not, a yeah. setting. Yeah. It's about putting them in an interesting situation. Yeah. Um, or showing an origin. Um, uh, the George Lucas' like, second real film is total nostalgia bait. It's... Um, THX is the only That's one That's his first song. I think what might even be on this list. Yes. Yeah, that... Well, okay. So, I'm not... American Graffiti, yeah. by the way, to the people, as you point and go, yeah, 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 yeah that one. Yeah. Um, well, so the thing is, I'm not... 
I'm only not positive if that counts because when I tried the next thing, I tried to change my Google Foo by typing movies full of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And I feel like American Graffiti that was made in 1973 mm -hmm. is not about nostalgia because the time that is a character in American Graffiti is the time that the movie is made in. Um, no, it's, uh, it's like 12 years earlier. It's like 1962. Is it? Is it? It, 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 was, it was written about George Lucas's like childhood. Oh, okay. So it's, then it, maybe it's it is. just the okay. is right at it's either the end of the fifties or the early sixties. Right. The, uh, the only mm -hmm. the only other one on here I agree with so mm -hmm. far is Goodfellas because yeah, Goodfellas like, was made in nineteen ninety, oh, yeah. but is very about um, the eighties. Like, like Stand by Me does not count. That's just about a story that takes that's, place. Yeah, that's what I said. Like it's yeah. in the eighties and it's in the eighties. How would that story, count as a nostalgia Christmas story? Maybe. Maybe because it's sort of based more in the sixties, even though it's filmed in the eighties. But but like is is the nostalgia? But it's also like about is, yeah, remember your childhood, remember your thing. Yeah. Boy, we're really veering off. There's not much to talk about. Forrest Gump. <laughs> no, don't say that because I do like Forrest Gump. <laughs> talk about Forrest Gump. Give me some trivia about Forrest Gump. Uh, is there any trivia about Forrest? Well, Gump? Well, so I mentioned already the thing about the money. Yeah. We mentioned already the thing about the book. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, the writer originally was in his head while he was writing, thinking of John Goodman. I see it. Well, that would fit the character more. He's a tall, big man. He's a tall, big man. And he does like a really good Southern every mm -hmm. time you see him yeah. being Southern. Yeah. Um, remember him being the, the only, devil in a, the, what you call it? I remember him being the devil. The problem, yeah. the problem with him is... I can't accept him as being an innocent man no. full of ineffable innocence. No. no, it would have brought something different. It would have brought something different to the table. Tom Hanks been... worked for that role. Tom Hanks worked for that role. Mm -hmm. And like I said, like this movie is part of, I think, why everyone thinks Tom Hanks is like, he, he is America's sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just, he's the nicest but Until man. he allegedly ran off to Greece for... Reasons. For an illicit conspiracy theory, which we won't name. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, so let's Off see. the Greek islands. Yeah. Um, so the speech he gives at the NAM rally mm -hmm. when the microphone goes out. Now, so obviously there's a sentence before this because you hear him saying something that sounds like he's about to talk about how your feet hurt all the mm -hmm. time. Uh, but according to Tom Hanks, what he says when the microphone goes out is sometimes when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without any legs. Sometimes they don't go home at all. Damn. That's a bad thing. That's all I have to say about that. All right. And I mean, that would explain why the guy came over. He's like, you just said it all. Yeah. You said it all, man. Um, I mentioned Tom Hanks wasn't paid for the film. Oh, um, this was an interesting costume design choice. Mm -hmm. uh, every transition in his age, the first time you see the, quote unquote, the new him, that mm -hmm. age him, he's wearing a blue plaid shirt. Yeah. Which um, you'd think that would mean that Tom Hanks only had to wear one once, but yeah. he actually still had transitions in his age from like young-ish him fresh out of high school right. going in the military him back from the military as like a man who's been through war like uh mm -hmm. one of the times he goes to see jenny like and and the sitting on the bench he's wearing a right yeah blue plaid yeah shirt. yes yes <laughs> um so that was i, I thought that was interesting mm -hmm. costume well the costuming's good development the soundtrack's fine i like you know um, there's a lot that that's nice about the film he never blinks when he's playing ping pong because the guy told him, don't take don't your eye off the, the bottle. Awesome. So he never That's blinks. Um, there's also a note that every 
still photo of him in the movie, his eyes are closed. Okay. Which is something that a person yeah. would do. Ooh, something I wish I did a lot during pictures when where, I was younger. Where is this film on your list? I thought you wanted if there was any yeah, trivia. It's there's... pretty good trivia. We got, we're done with the trivia portion. You We've didn't want to on. hear about his accent? No. Because Tom, oh, yes, Hanks, Tom Hanks did not want to do an accent, right? He was forced to. Like, uh... Here it is. He signed on to the film after an hour and a half of reading the script, but agreed to take the role only on the condition that the film was historically accurate. He wanted to ease Forrest's pronounced southern accent, but was persuaded by Robert Zemeckis to portray the heavier accent that is stressed in the novel. And the way he did this was by patterning his accent after Michael Connor Humphreys, which is the child mm-hmm. Forrest. Because that's the way he actually spoke. There you go. So Kid Forrest... That's that child's real accent, and they hired him with it. With, with that intent. With that yeah. intent. And Tom yeah. Hanks tried to talk oh. as much like that as he could. Other other trivia thing. We got Haley Joel Osment. Second yeah. film on the AFI list. Little little young Forrest Gump Jr. Little Forrest. Little Forrest Gump. Not, not as Forrest Gump. Young Forrest Gump. But the, the child of Forrest, Forrest Gump. Forrest Jr. Yes, Forrest Jr. Um, Forrest which I never noticed Scared. until now that that was the case. But okay, so Forks I think we're good for a trivia. Um, what? Where is this film? We're, we're we're moving into the the home home well, end game okay, here. Okay, so I want I want you to say where it is on your film first because it's going to be higher on my film on my list, and and I want to end on an up note because how dare you talk shit? All right, about Forrest. Where Gump. do you think it is? Well, because you said I'm going to be surprised. Um, it's not ninety eight. Fourteen. Okay, let's take a look. Um, it is 20. Oh. Uh, it is between Sunrise, which I enjoyed more, Ew. Um, and Easy Rider, which I enjoyed less. I'm horrified. Um, Sunrise was the black and white silent film that we watched. To story to humans. I enjoyed better. Um, to whatever. Because you know what? Those characters, even though there was that lull, they kind of grew. They were a little more interesting. Forrest Gump for me just was so, bland. So as a person who cares about just the notes of enjoyment in the story and that I like that it didn't trigger my anxiety, yeah. which I hear that's why I like rewatching movies mm-hmm. is because I... See, they say it's because you already know what's going to happen, but I still want to fast forward when it gets to the parts <laughs> that I know bad things are about to happen. Um, so I haven't decided if it's between Titanic and Yankee Doodle Dandy. Should be in your fourth spot. Or between Pulp Fiction and Bringing Up Baby. Wow. Wow. That's the, you could put it near the Adam Cole spot. Bay Bay. You, you think it, it, it should I don't know. Go I don't think it should go there. But Yeah, I know you don't. But um, so here's the thing. I definitely enjoyed this movie mm-hmm. more than All the President's Men. Okay. I enjoyed All the President's okay. Men last week. On a note of that, we, we forgot to mention, when he calls the security desk, oh, yes. the guy who answers is the security guard. Is from the, the security so guard. So kind of actually tied into this film they in didn't, way. They didn't hire the guy because, as we mentioned, he never had another job in yeah. his life. Yeah. But, the name <laughs> but they used his correct, name. <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Historically accurate. Yeah. Um, all right, fine. I will put it in position six. All right. So yeah, wildly different opinions on it. It's and again, that this is not a. So I know I'm not saying that's bad. 
and it, I'm not saying it's even going to... Like, I don't know how far that stretch is going to be between Forrest Gump and Easy Rider by the end of it. Yeah. Because okay. I, I like this a lot more than Easy Rider. But I'm not going to say I liked it that much less than Sunrise. I'm going to be honest. It's not far off. Because Sunrise had its problems in pacing. And Forrest Gump didn't have pacing problems. But just really, I struggled to invest in the film. Oh. The, what, what's next? No, before we do that, there was another trivia item I wanted to mention. Okay, okay. Oh, you got, and you got, I, it. I closed you got the tab. minutes. Okay. Okay, listen, because yeah. I thought you would enjoy this because you enjoyed the fact that it was spot number 71 on the original AFI yes. list. And on the AFI 10th anniversary edition, it dropped to 76. Mm-hmm. It dropped five whole spots. Um, there was a point in time where um, Premiere Magazine, maybe, was talking about things and how well they aged and how they got votes based on... Um, uh, like like society and how they thought about how it was addressing stuff. And they asked people if they um, agree. Maybe a decade after it won the Academy Award, they were asking about if people still agreed with the choices they made for who won the Academy Award different years. And the people that were on the board, I guess, the year that it won, mm-hmm. said in retrospect they would have given it to Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd agree with that. Which we've not hit Shawshank Which yet. we haven't yet. That's why I remembered um, is because it's coming up soon. But yeah, that was the both of them came out yeah. the same year. I have to be very careful where I put Shawshank Redemption on my list because I think you will not get another podcast. You'll be a solo podcast depending on where I put it. Are you saying that I would kill you and somehow manage to hide it from all of your followers? I think so. I'd probably just have you sleep on the couch a couple nights. Okay. Uh, You're fine with that, right? Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> so next week is In the Heat of the Night, which this I hear has Sidney Poitier. Poitier. Yep. A film that actually deals with racism. Is it black and white or is it just like sepia? I remember it as being black and white, but it's been in like 20 years since I've seen it. Okay. He's a lawyer. Um, no, he's a detective from he's New York. He's a detective. It there's comes, a murder case. There is. Well, there's a, some kind of case. I think there's a murder case. I think it's a murder case. Okay. Yeah, it's a case. He's not welcome there. Well, of he course just, he's not. He just shows up because he's a New York detective on his way down, and he just stumbles upon... And is like, hey, I'm a, a detective. This problem. Let me, I, let me help you. Yeah. And, and they're like, no, and go unco- away. And covers a, a nest of problems in this small southern town. That involves this murder that is open and shut to him, but very much more difficult to everybody else. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Especially, like, because if they're going to be held on trial in their own town, the jury of their peers is... is... maybe racist. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and then the week after Silence that... Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Good film. I can't say hello, Clarice, but I can... Um, yep, just trigger everyone with misophonia on the... Uh, hello, Clarice. Um, Butch Cassie and Sundance Kid... 
after that, Shawshank. Shawshank! And then rounding off the 70s are Saving Private Ryan and the clock, A Clockwork Orange. Um, I, I remember disliking Clockwork Orange, so I'll yeah. see how I feel about that. And, of course, I'm very excited to have you watch Saving Private Ryan for the I first feel, time. I feel like A Clockwork Orange might be an LSD fever dream. It kind of is. It's also a really horrific real story, sort and, of. And I feel like Saving Private Ryan might also be an LSD fever dream. No, it's not. Because I, I hear people that actually fought in the war had like traumatic flashbacks just, watching that. Movie. Just the beginning, just the, <laughs> just just D Day. The rest of the film is a very Steven Spielberg film. I mean, I like Mr. Spielberg. So it's good thing. It's 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 the the actual beach landing is kind of rough, but the rest of the film is a regular ass Steven Spielberg movie. So take that how you will. Overall, I think it's one of his better outside of E. T. Or not E.T., sorry, actually. Because uh, that, that was actually not almost a non-controversial opinion. Because, you know me, I love my controversial opinions. I was going to say AI, artificial intelligence. Did he make AI? Him, He did it after, um, and I think Stanley Kubrick wrote 90% of the script. I like AI. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm not saying I don't like E.T. I, I, I don't actually like E.T. I don't remember liking it. I, I know I've seen a fair amount of it. How I feel about, how you feel about E.T. right now is how I feel about Forrest Gump. I don't dislike it, but I have a general level of ambivalence, and I yeah. kind of don't understand why anyone really digs it. Okay, so... You know how I like rewatching movies. There are movies that I would probably put on and rewatch before I put on Forrest Gump to rewatch. Yeah. Okay. But I would also choose to watch Forrest Gump mm-hmm. before watching Talking Shopamania for the first time. Not even rewatch. Oh, it was so good though. Oh. I would probably choose Forrest Gump over most any wrestling boner yard match. Yeah, no, I would definitely choose Forrest Gump over pretty much any wrestling event that was up for grabs. That's not true. Whether it was a paper... Well, I mean, if Enzo was there and doing good things... Enzo I mean, was there at the Boner Yard he match. He wasn't doing good things. He didn't do his Smack Talk or Skywalker. How about, he was how about, not... He was not... Uh, oh, what was the something of the mic? Okay, uh, NXT R Evolution 2014. I mean, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to weigh the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to end this before I start singing because yes. I don't know if you know this, but Straight No Chaser has. I, I also have to end words. this before my laptop's battery dies. Are you not plugged in? No. Oh. So uh, by by necessity, we end this here. We will see you guys next time for uh, what was it? Uh, Silence of no, in the heat, heat of, the, of night. the night. In the heat of the night. Sydney Poitier. Sydney So thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you. Bye. Peace. I mean, you know, not literally. We're always going to do it. Every time. That's your catchphrase. Life is a box of chocolates, he said.